From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today, we continue our conversation with Claire Hintz of Elsewhere Farm on a topic near and dear to her heart and many women of permaculture, how do we use ecological design to steward our land and produce healthy food? Claire runs Elsewhere Farm near Herbster, Wisconsin, right on the south shore of Lake Superior. If you can farm here, you can farm anywhere, she says. The farm uses organic practices and permaculture design principles and has over 700 fruit and nut trees. Her intensely planted market garden features heirloom and open-pollinated vegetable varietals, bees, and rare-breed Icelandic chickens. So a topic near and dear I know to Claire Hintz's heart is permaculture, and a lot of women. It's a principle that, however we interpret it, women are naturally drawn to. At least I've seen that. Yeah. What is your definition of permaculture? (laughs) So I think of permaculture as ecological design, and it's drawing from a number of traditions. It's drawing from indigenous ways of knowing around the world. It's drawing from ecological um, Western science. Um, And it was sort of um, galvanized by deforestation um, in different places around the world. And it's... It's moved from its original promoters um, to a very diverse community of people who um, are designing homesteads, designing urban gardens, designing farms. Um, but it's a way of integrating um, living and food production and community and economics um, and sustainable thinking um, and sustainable systems um, all together. So um, that's that's how I would think about it. And why do you think women have this natural affinity for permaculture? I think it's because um, women tend, well, so women tend to be um, more predominant in sustainable agriculture compared to conventional agriculture. And I think it's because um, they find a place there, uh, especially for the complexity of the systems that we're all working with. Um, women maybe tend to draw are, are maybe drawn towards that um, diverse um, ecological system um, because of its um, potential for creativity, because of its potential for agency, because of um, just the, the ambiguity and the, the messiness of it. Um, it's not very lin- it's not at all linear. <laughs> Let's just start there. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think it's just been a welcoming community too um, for for women. Um, it has it you know it's had a um, it's had some growing to do around diversity uh, in general, racial diversity in particular, and and class diversity, uh, permaculture. I mean, uh, but I think I think we're making strides, and and so that's something we continue to work on. But I think women are opening all of those doors really because you've hosted 
different permaculture classes for women yeah. on your farm, right? Yep. Huh? I regularly host a, a permaculture design certificate course. I'm a permaculture teacher. Um, this past summer, we ho- hosted an open space permaculture weekend, which was a blast. So it didn't matter what your expertise was in permaculture. Just come. We'll map out the weekend when everybody got there. And, oh, that's great. Um, it, tended to be, it ended up being a lot of people really interested in um, herbal concoctions. And so we made all kinds of, we made bitters, we made um, different urban herbal teas from the plants on the farm. Um, we made some uh, St. John's wort extract. We made rose water. We just had a blast. <laughs> and that was a women-only That one was co-ed, thing. but um, I usually do a women-only permaculture design certificate um, because it gives a little bit more space for women to... Um, explore um so explore power tools explore building things explore conversations um uh, i've been in a number of permaculture conversations that where women tend to get silenced um, by the expert male in the room (laughs) and uh and so i just wanted to make an open space you know for them to feel freer to express themselves and be tentative too, not feel like they had to be an expert or not feel like they had to come in knowing, knowing a great deal. And it's been interesting. Um, the, the flack I've gotten for having a women only permaculture class indicates to me that it is needed. Um, I, I just it was completely floored by anybody in the permaculture community complaining about this, but uh, apparently uh, it's threatening to some people, and and so that indicates to me that it's it, it's needed. <laughs> different spaces for different things. Yeah, sure, you bet. And it it's really interesting what you were saying too that while there's more women embracing permaculture and this natural affinity, that we do need more women as yeah. the leaders, as the face, if you will, of yeah. the movement too. Yeah, and, and to, women tend to not publish uh, books. <laughs> They're, they're out there doing the work. And so they don't get that glossy, permy hero uh, uh, veneer. Uh, they're just they're just out there in the world. So um, when I talk about permaculture design, the names that come up, oh, do you know so-and-so? It's usually male, right? But there's amazing women in the Midwest doing permaculture design, Paula Westmoreland and Lindsay Rabin and all kinds of people. Um, and, um, and so <laughs> it's important to recognize uh, their work. You bet. So for a woman new to this, and curious, what would be some good starter resources or Oh, yeah, there's books some great or... books, yeah. Um, and there's a lot now. So you can take a whole free online permaculture design certificate course. I forget the um, website, uh, but you can find that online. And because there's this kind of a standard curriculum for that initial design certificate. Uh, but there's a great book by Rosemary Morrow um, that's a um, Earth User's Guide to Permaculture. Toby Hemingway's got a book. Um, those are two really good, almost workbook-esque um, type places to get started. Um, and there's a lot of permaculture activities around um, around the country now. Um, so you can probably find one in your area. Um, go take a workshop. And um, it's everything from weekend workshops about one specific aspect of permaculture to, you know, a whole design certificate. But the main idea that, that I think differentiates permaculture from you know, broader sustainable agriculture is the integration of all the components of your system, whether that's your backyard, your neighborhood community, or your farm. 
And those integrations uh, make the place look very different and act very different than, than even an organic farm. So um, it's important to understand what those differences are and then how you can leverage those design principles to create an, an amazing place. Uh, and that can even be an organization um, you can design. I have some graduate students right now who are designing schools around these principles. So, Oh, neat. Yeah. And it's one of those processes, too, that is never done, right? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, farming exactly. isn't. And that's Farming's not either, yeah. But you know you've got a good design when you've um, solved a couple of problems and a couple more problems get solved without your um, having anything to do with it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to bring fertility onto my farm. I integrate some rare breed livestock. Um, that also brings me income in a time of year when I'm not getting other as much other um, produce income. Um, it, it gives a face to my farm. Um, I, the, the, the number of hits on my Facebook page for cute pig videos, like it's just <laughs> astounding to me. Um, it's like cat videos, you know? So um, those all, all of those things, you know, those were extra bonuses, you know, that came in as I was integrating livestock onto my farm for the fertility of the farm. Um, but it's, it's brought all of this other abundance along with it. But it, it sounds too that within permaculture principles, you can, as you've described, experiment with things in a relatively low cost, right? I mean, you yeah. tried a couple and if they didn't work, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. This doesn't have to be a huge investment. It's more of, right. as you were saying, a lifestyle and a yeah, and it's taking what's Perch. around you and using that. So it's not, it, it, you know, as everything becomes commodified, you can spend a lot of money, quote unquote, doing permaculture. Or, you know, you could spend a lot of money hiring a consultant to design your landscape for you. But I think it's a lot better if you're designing your own landscape and your consultant is helping you do that because it's your place. Your roots are there. Um, you know it best or you need to know it best. Um, and so, um, no, it doesn't have to be dot high dollar at all. And, and in fact, it's almost uh, the opposite. You know, it's about, it's about taking advantage of what resources you have, what, what relationships you have and, um, finding increasing abundance with, with that. So wherever somebody is, it's something you can do. Oh yeah. Yeah. You but can do it in an apartment building. For a woman looking for a farm, let's say, and not having land yet, yeah. Are there things to think about if, hey, I want to really do this in my own way once I get there? Yeah. Um, the bonus of permaculture is that it's it was meant, it, when the design principles were formulated um, uh, in the early, in the mid, well, late 20th century, um, officially, you know, people have been working on components of this for eons, right? Uh, but as the design principles got formalized in the Western world anyway, um, it was about um, trying to work with spaces that were marginal. So how do you rejuvenate mm. urban lands? How do you work with rocky terrain or slopes uh, without destroying um, or eroding the hillside? How do, and, and Because, you know, recognizing that the population of the planet is exploding and we're going to have to produce food in unusual locations. Um, and and um, so how can we do that and heal the, the earth at the same time? Um, and so all the principles are meant to be restorative, to be used in a restorative way. Uh, you know, as, as someone uh, giving advice for looking for land, I would say know where your markets are, find land near them, 
um, think about that, um, think about good soil. Um, but honestly, you know, I didn't follow my own advice. So, you know, I, I picked my farm because it was, um, you know, I had a very long list when I was buying my land. I, um, I wanted land three miles from Lake Superior with a southern slope, you know, et cetera, et cetera, artesian spring. I did find that exact, all of that. Um, what I didn't count on was if you're thinking about a southern slope um, three miles from Lake Superior, that means you're going to be in a frost pocket. And so <laughs> what I am growing is very much dependent on the fact that I live in a frost pocket and it's cloudy a lot of the time. Uh, and Frost pocket meaning it frosts more? It or? frosts more, yep, yep, uh-huh. yep. Cold air settles there. Works great for orchards, not so good for tomatoes. So, um, you know, I, I had to throw out the idea of the tomato farm. Um, not that that really was my vision, but, you know. So you can farm with permaculture design, you can farm it in a lot of unusual places. Uh, but I think um, if you're looking at a commercial operation farm, you know, there's some basic other guidelines that will, you know, look at soil health, look at those kinds of things too. And how did you come up with the name Elsewhere Farm? <laughs> it's very far away from everything. Oh. <laughs> yep, Elsewhere Farm. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's 500 miles from Chicago and uh, 250 from Minneapolis and exactly 27 miles from all of the nearest reasonably sized towns. It, it really is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I love Elsewhere. it. Elsewhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Claire. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.